But hey, welcome. Uh, thanks for coming out today. Uh, I know some of us are tired from, uh, I don't, did we call it a bunny hop? It was like trunk or treat style bunny hoppy thing. So uh, I got a little bit of sunburn. I don't know if that was from the hopping of the bunny or the, the helping of the Calvin. Uh, but <laughs> later in the afternoon, we had some things. But uh, I'm, I'm a little, little uh, worn here. Anyway, uh, welcome. Welcome to Deep Water. We are currently, uh, we're taking a break from our regular stuff because we're going into a little bit of an Easter series, if you will. And we, we talked a little bit last week. We, we dropped back a little further into Luke. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, I, I have a slight affinity for the gospel according uh, to Luke. Uh, and I, I like it. I just like how he thinks. And I like them all, though. I mean, it's in my top four favorites because there's four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Anyway, uh, <laughs> in Luke 9.51, there's this little verse that says he resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and Jesus was on this mission. And Easter kind of didn't take him by surprise, all the events as they unfold. He had this plan. He knew where he was going, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. And I remember, this is the week we're going to celebrate Palm Sunday. Now, that means a lot of different things. I was giving Michael a ride yesterday, and he said it's Palm Sunday, so I smacked him. Um, <laughs> I did, <laughs> but not in the face, just in the arm, and then we laughed because we're friends. And, you know, and, and then, you know, Palm Sunday, you know, the Palm Pilots used to be popular. There were some cartoons, and not that Palm. Uh, some of you remember these things. Um, not that, uh, but I remember as a kid growing up, and I, I grew up in a church that, Anyone grow up in a church that passed out palms? You know, I remember when, like, we've done it, like, once or twice, and, we're like, it's one of those things they don't tell you, like, where you get palms. So, like, I'm, like, where do I, like, like, you don't, like, I, I think you probably order them on Amazon now, but I remember I was, like, do I just go find them? Like, we lived in California, and when we wanted palms, we just, they fell on you all the time. It wasn't any problem. They were, they were outside my building. You could get them, big, giant leaves. You could, you know, shred them all up if you wanted to do something with palms. But, but I remember as a kid, you know, getting the palm, and I, I, I kind of understood that it had something to do with Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and I always kind of pictured them waving these little things. And I liked making the little cross. Anyone make the little cross thing with it? I don't know if I could still do it, but I really like that part, that kind of tactile learning. Anyway, we're not going to get palms today. Oh, I kind of built it up there for a minute, right? Uh, but, 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 you know, uh, you know we're going to kind of fit together what's going on. And so we're going to jump into John this week. Now, I've been reading John a little bit more lately. And, um, you know, I just told you how much I, I, I like Luke. But, but John is interesting because he's one of these kids is doing his own thing. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they call the synoptic gospels because they kind of roughly tell the story the same way. And, and you know, then you've, all, then you've got John, who's, he's, he's a special friend of Jesus. He's close friends. He, he writes his later, and he, he writes in a different way. He tells the same story, but in a different way, and he brings out different details and things. So sometimes he's fun. He has a lot of things that he talks about that are very symbolic. Uh, and, and he says this, uh, we're going to back up before Palm, his, his, Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. In John chapter 12, starting in verse 1, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Now, if you have, some of you have these things, they're called Bibles. And they have pages in them, and it would be easy to just kind of flip back, or if you're, if you're on the U version of it, you could scroll back if you want to glance at the story. We're not going to read it in its entirety, 
I think I preached on it probably within the last year. I, I, I use it a lot for funerals, so maybe, you know, maybe I might use it for yours someday. Uh, <laughs> or you could use it for mine. I actually want to preach my own funeral, but it's like, you know, you can't preach it like now and then if I die 30 years from now. So I, I keep thinking I'll record it, but maybe I'll record it every year. You know, <laughs> well, <laughs> is that a weird thought? I, I, you know, okay. Well, I just thought it'd be, so I, you know, if you're watching this, I'm dead, but I'm not. Uh, and then you think it was a joke. But uh, aside from that, <laughs> but, but I, I, love, I love the story. And if you don't know the story, it's a story of a guy named Lazarus. Um, and, uh, you know, Lazarus was, yeah, and so he wasn't like, just like mostly dead. I mean, he was there. He, he was gone. And if, if you read the story, they'd sent word to Jesus. Jesus does it. He kind of delays on purpose, it seems, and he shows up. He gets back, and if you look at Mary and Martha are there, his, Lazarus's sisters, and if you, if you really look at the story, I, I think on the inside, you kind of see, you know, hey, you know, he wouldn't have died if you were, if you were back. It was a little accusatory, I, I think, of both of them. They're, they're glad to see Jesus, but wish he'd shown up because he was healing a lot of other people, right? So, you know, he's healing these people. Why, do, why doesn't he heal my brother? And Lazarus is, Je- is a friend of Jesus. So, like, you're, you're healing total strangers, but you're not healing, you know, my, my brother who you, you love, you like this dude. And, and so, you know, <laughs> Lazarus is there. And if you hear, read the rest of the story, Jesus, he goes in, he, you know, uh, I love, um, you know, he, Jesus goes to, down to the tomb. They think, you know, people are like, oh, maybe they're going to mourn, all kinds of stuff. And, and you know, people, he's like, roll the stone away, and they're like, uh, uh, Jesus, he'd been dead for three days. <laughs> uh, and if, if, you, if you like the King James, like Dana, uh, there's a great line in there, he stinketh. <laughs> we'll leave it there. They do a better translation than anybody else can on that one. And so he was dead. He wasn't just mostly dead. He, he was gone. And Jesus, you know, calls him out. He comes to life. And it teaches us something that, that Jesus has this power over life and death. And so uh, Lazarus is there as a guest at this dinner. Now, I mean, it's got an interesting dinner. You know, if you read the other accounts, you probably Simon Leper, Le, uh, Leper not the Leaper, <laughs> the Leper's house. So, uh, you know, people are telling stories. I mean, he's got the best story. Like, hey, remember that time I was dead? <laughs> he healed me <laughs> and so it's that it's that Lazarus uh, I like that the, the man he had raised from the dead just like almost like a byline oh yeah you know just the guy he raised from the dead uh, and it, it says in verse 2 a dinner was prepared in Jesus honor Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him then Mary took a, t- a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard <laughs> and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance. Now, Mary and Martha, you th- they t- take two very different postures here, right? Now, you know, this is like, I- I've heard a ton of sermons on Mary and Martha. Anyone, if you grew up in the church, you hear sermons on Mary and Martha. And, and if, if you know the story, uh, if we were to look at Luke 10, see, which is not in your version event today, but, but there's this story, and, and you know, Jesus and the disciples, they're, uh, you know, they, they, they're there, and um, Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him, and uh, Martha kind of pokes her head out of, you know, uh, you know, she's preparing dinner, getting everything ready, she pokes her head out and kind of like, uh, basically, she's like, hey, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister sits here while I do all the work? Uh, anyone ever, like, put yourself in that situation? Would you kind of be like on Martha's side? You're, you're doing all the work. 
Maybe it's like Easter dinner. Do you guys get together for Easter dinner? And, you know, one person seems like they have to prepare the whole dinner, and other people are like, can you get it going? You said 3 o'clock. I, I, I want my Easter dinner, you know, and I, I think, or Thanksgiving, Christmas, something like that. And so picture, you know, the person you thought was going to help you is sitting out there uh, hanging out with people. Now, you know, some of us are prone to that, um, so I, I could totally get that, laying, hanging out with Jesus while I'm supposed to be preparing your meal. I mean, you'll be lucky if I order Domino's for you, or I get DoorDash and all kinds of stuff now, <laughs> Uber Eats, whatever, whatever you guys do. Um, and so she, you know, and Jesus says, you know, dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all those details. Only one thing worth being concerned about, Mary's discovered it and will not be taken from her. So, so Mary has this, this penchant, if you will, for just zeroing in on what Jesus is doing, listening. She's always at his feet when we read about her in the scripture. <laughs> you know, she's like anointing him and things. And, uh, and really, you know, we, we learn a lot from that story. And we've preached that before. You know, you can't substitute, you know, being with God for, for doing things. And you know, maybe you've heard all kinds of sermons on that. You know, uh, but, uh, you know, it says here, you know, so Mary Martha. And Mary, she has some expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. Anyone know what nard is? Yeah, like I was like, I, it's not a comp. I actually looked it up. It, it's, I think it's native to Nepal. It grows in the Himalayans. There's this, this thing. Some of you, anyone into like, um, what are those oils called? Essential oils? You know, essential oils like, you know, frankincense. Is there nard? Bacon grease? Some of those things that, <laughs> that help us. Um, But, but it's, it's, you can actually buy, I looked it up this morning, because I was like, can you buy nard? And I, like, I looked it up, yes, you can. You can go on Amazon today and buy some nard. And uh, you know, you know, in some traditions, in our tradition, sometimes we, we, we anoint people with oil when we pray for them. You can buy nard oil, which I'm like, it, I don't know, not quite the same as bacon grease. But it, it, was, it, it was expensive. It, it, it took a lot of money. Um, now, <laughs> what does this tell us about Mary? Probably, or this was like her savings, I don't know. We don't hear about a husband, maybe it's what she was saving up. Uh, you know, but she loved extravagantly, right? right? To drop something, you know, that, that's expensive, and we're going to hear what, you know, what it costs. Uh, you know, and there's times when, you know, you, you have such love for somebody that you don't think about the cost, right? Like, if your kid is sick, those of you have children, like, do you think, man, how much is this hospital bill going to cost? while they're like bleeding on the floor. I was one of those children who, I'm glad my parents had good insurance because there were more than a few trips to the ER. I mean, I went to the ER so much when I was a teenager. I was working out at the gym and I met an ER doctor and I'm like, I knew who he was because I'm like, oh yeah, you've worked on me many times. And he's like, dude, I've worked on a lot of people. I like you as a workout friend, but I don't know who you are. I started describing one of my injuries. He's like, oh, you're that kid. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> I did some odd things. Uh, and it had to do with jumping into a lake and slicing my foot and getting entire leaves stuffed in there. It was great. But, <laughs> yeah, it, it was... It, <laughs> I, I put my mom through a lot as a child. Oh my gosh, it was, I, there was a lot of blood. I'm glad I, 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 had, I think they put me in Boy Scouts just so I would know all the first aid treatments because, <laughs> you know, my mom would usually be panicking and I'm like, we need to put direct pressure on this and then we're gonna, we don't have to call 911, but you're gonna have to bring me to the hospital because I can't drive yet, I'm 12. Uh, <laughs> but if you'd like me to drive, no. Uh, <laughs> and, and so it was this expensive thing. So I mean, 
But when you love, you don't think, oh, my kid's bleeding, there's blood spurting out, you know, what's this ambulance going to cost? Maybe I could put them in the car. You know, most of us just go, right? It's because you, you love, you don't, you know, maybe you don't think of it. Now, uh, and so she just, she just has this extravagant love for Jesus. Um, it says in verse 4, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Now, a year's wages. Now, Greek, this is like one of the fun things. I don't think everyone has to learn Greek, but a little bit of Greek's fun. And if you, if you actually look at some of the footnotes in your Bibles, some of these things kind of pop out. I, you know, I, I, there's all kinds of cool things if you look at the footnotes, and I think it's, uh, it's fun. But it, it says 300 denarii. Now, the average laborer made a denarius a day. So, you know, another day, another denarius, you know, you go through life like that. Uh, and so, you know, they, they would make a denarius. So this is like, you know, taking off some holidays and stuff, roughly going, hey, that's a year's worth of salary, right? That's a lot. Now, some of you, now you don't have to say it out loud because we don't want people like bragging or anything. Think about what you make in a year. Or made in a year if you're retired. Uh, you know, uh, you know uh, think about it. Now, picture putting that into something small and breakable and pouring it out. I mean, that's a, that's a big step, right? That's a big move. And, and honestly, you might even, and this is like not a position most of us want to be in, because we know Judas, if, spoiler alert, Judas can betray him, but you're kind of seeing Judas's point, right? Like, that's, that's, that, that's a lot of money, you know? It would, it would be much better for the poor, right? And it's funny because when, we get, when it gets to churches and spending money, um, people always have an idea of where the church money should be spent, right? And not just people in the church, because, you know, if you, if you give, you get to vote on where we spend money. That's part of, you know, the whole membership thing we, we do. But, but a lot of times, you know, I hear from friends outside of the church, oh, the church ought to do this, and the church needs to do that, and they ought to, you know, and I had this one friend, he was, he was so frustrated with the church, um, <laughs> in a lot of ways, <laughs> and, and he was just like, oh, the church needs to feed the poor, and the church needs to, and I, I thought two things, one, we do, you know, our church does, a lot of churches do, there's a lot of, a lot of good that people do, but, but a lot of times, you know, what do you do? I, I, this other guy, he was, he was humble down when we were feeding at the Salvation Army, and he was in the Air Force, and a lot of the people he worked with gave him pushback, because, you know, oh, the Salvation Army, they're, you know, conservative, you know, they don't believe in certain things, and I can't support what they do. And I'm like, well, where do you feed the poor? Because, <laughs> you know, you, you can complain all you want about somebody and how they feed the poor, but are you doing it? So that's just, that's a side sermon, if you will. Take, you know, take that one. That's, that's an extra one for later. We can, <laughs> we, we can go through that. But, but here, you know, picture this, you know, and, and why shouldn't we serve the poor? You know, it, it's a good thing. Now, Problem is here, we're starting to agree with Judas. Now, some of you guys remember WWJD? Remember that? What would Jesus do? And, and then I had a, a pastor who I thought was really godly, and I, a lot of times I'd be like, what would Jack do? I would never call him Jack to his face, because like, like, I, I just was like, I couldn't, anyone like have trouble calling pastors besides me by the first, <laughs> by the first name, right? You know? and it, he, he was like, he was this really godly man, he was older. I was, st I was still at the point where I was learning to call adults by their first name, so I definitely wasn't calling Pastor Step by his first name. He's, I think, well, my wife would be the only one here who probably knows him. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I remember, and I was like, what would Jack do? I would say behind his back, not no, <laughs> because I thought he was godly, not because I was talking behind his back. <laughs> But, but, you know, you know, WJD. Here's the problem is, a lot of us right now are WW Judas D. 
<laughs> because we're, 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 we're thinking Judas has some good logic here. But here, here we go. Uh, now we'll see Judas' motivation. 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 I made up a new word. <laughs> when you preach, you get to make up all kinds of words. Sometimes that's the best thing about preaching. Mo- what are we going to decide modification means? Someone write that down. We'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> not, here you go. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Ah, motivation. Uh, and, and so 300 denarii. Uh, you know, that's the plural for denarius, in case you were wondering. Um, you know, Ju- Judas, bet- now here's the thing, I started thinking about this. I was like, Judas betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And so I, I did, I, I, I kind of went and I was like, okay, well, that's actually shekels. Uh, and, you know, th- now we're talking denarii. And now, to believe it or not, uh, there's an online shekel to denarius calculator. Uh, I was a little surprised, and I checked it. Believe it or not, there is more than one online shekel to denarius calculator. So next time you're like at the grocery store and something is in shekels and you need to know what it's in in denarius, I don't know if there's an app for it too, but, but apparently you can go online. There's more than just memes, cat pictures, and arguments online. You can, uh, but here, so <laughs> Judas betrays Jesus for 30 shekels which is about 89 denarii. Are you on an online calculator right now? Or just texting? No. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) Anyway, just having fun. Just having fun. Uh, Anyway. So here's the thing. Judas betrays Jesus for less than one-third of the cost it is to anoint Jesus. Just put it in perspective for me. You know, he, he was willing for much less to do this betrayal. It's, it's two very different valuations of Jesus. You know, it's two very different estimations of his worth. And in life, really, people kind of have those two views. Because you can either have, in life, about Jesus, sort of an indifference, or maybe even what do I get out of it? Because a lot of times we do that with faith. It's not about so much, you know, my connection to God, my, my, my service to him, but it's like, will this make my life better? Like, meaning, will I get a nice house? <laughs> you know, will it make my life better? Will all my relationships be better? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, but, you know, kind of like, what do I get out of it? Or it's just this ex- extravagant love because of his worth and, and who he is. And how we react to Jesus really makes all the difference in the world now and for eternity. Now, Jesus replied, I like this, leave her alone. Stop it. Quit it. <laughs> if you have kids, you understand those words. <laughs> she did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Uh, and I like Mark adds a detail. Uh, it says uh, for in, in, in chapter 14, verse 8 of Mark, if you want to look that up later, it says, she has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. You know, she does it to honor Jesus, and there's no really no limit to the cost to that. She's willing to, to, to sacrifice, make this big sacrifice. She does it to honor Jesus and really prepare him for burial. Because ultimately, he doesn't really get that treatment, right? Because, you know, he's hung on a cross, he dies, he's stuck in the grave, and spoiler alert, they, they go 
to do the burial and the, and the spices and everything. And what happened? He is risen. Some of you got it. See, we're going to work that in the whole, whole, whole Easter series so you're ready for Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday. And, you know, he is risen. And so, he, you know, <laughs> I didn't even mean it that time. <laughs> she did it really the only time it could be done. And this is all the preparation. There's this, this way, this purpose that, that God is doing things. That, that Easter is not a big surprise to Jesus. I've, I've read some you know, commentators on things that kind of like, like, oh, Jesus was kind of surprised by the mob and, you know, <laughs> you know, and he was crucified. No, he knew all along. And throughout his ministry, if you read the Gospels, he's constantly saying things like, hey, when I, you know, when I go, when I die, and Peter's like, no, no, no. Uh, and so he, there's this purpose, this, there's this plan. Uh, and it's verse 9. Uh, it says, when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man whom Jesus has ra raised from the dead. Because, I mean, you, can, you got, that, that's pretty cool. One, they want to see Jesus because he did it. Two, they're like, did the, can, I, can I see the dude? Like, dude, were you really dead? Like, what's that like? Did you see anything? No, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> can I get a card for that later? Like, <laughs> um, you know, the little hospital cards on like Monopoly, <laughs> you know, you get out a death free card. Anyway, uh, it says, then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. Poor Lazarus. He gets raised from the dead, and now someone wants to kill him. <laughs> uh, for it was because of him that the people who had deserted them, uh, that the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. And so news travels, people get excited. Poor Lazarus got a plot on his life now too, but they're going to find out they got bigger fish to fry after they kill Jesus. Uh, spoiler alert, Easter. <laughs> and, and, and so now we get to, immediately following this, Palm Sunday, what we celebrate. Uh, and I'm not going to slap any of you, just Michael again after church. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I love you, man. I've known him for a long time. Uh, <laughs> Paul, so, uh, so verse 12 says, The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of pa uh, Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. A and they shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Now, um, <laughs> You know, it, it, it might seem like an odd thing, but I, people tend to throw things at parades and stuff, don't they? Like, I, I've never, like, grabbed palm branches, you know, and some of the other one accounts that, you know, they, they th they're throwing their coats and stuff, too. And, you know, but, but you know, kind of at parades, I, I picture, like, ticker tape, you know, but, you know, except palm branches, but, um, you know, hopefully stripped down a little bit because they're actually got the points and everything on them. Um, palm, palm trees look awesome till you live by them. Anyone ever live somewhere sunny where there's palm trees? Um, are they cool? Are they also annoying? No? Oh my gosh, you guys must have lived... Man, California, we lived there. We, like, we lived in L.A., like actually Pasadena, just outside of L.A., and like they grew up through the cracks in the sidewalks. They, like, they would fall when we're walking, and like, they, you, like the giant palm branches, they could hurt you if they're not trimmed properly. I mean, it was like, you know, and they had spikes on them. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Okay, not me. Uh, some of you like palm branches. Picture like nice palm branches. And, and so why are they doing branches? It's really their sign of acceptance to go, hey, Jesus is king. And, and they recognize him as their king, and they're giving honor to him. Uh, and palm branches are actually a, sort of a nationalistic symbol for Israel. 
You know, it's often on their coins and art. And so this is really sort of a, a, a defiant, like, hey, Jesus is king moment. Now, some of you watch uh, the Hunger Games movies. Some of you didn't, and some of you really did and are excited about it. Uh, even if you didn't, here's the thing. Uh, Katniss, who's like the main character, and she's got this three-finger salute kind of thing. And it, and everybody does it, and it, it becomes sort of the and people of. Yeah, I guess it's got some significance in the symbols of three things. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, it becomes sort of this this defiant symbol. You know, in in 2014, that was outlawed in Thailand after the protests because the pro democracy people were using it. It became a you know, and they had kind of meanings for the things. And, and it was interesting. 2021, it's Myanmar. Uh, yeah, and anyone else follow all the stuff going on overseas? Or are we just so overwhelmed sometimes with what's going on in our life with, 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 with kind of the pandemic and things? There's all kinds of crazy stuff happening all around the world. <laughs> you know, there's like civil wars breaking out in countries uh, that, I, that I hold near and dear. <laughs> you know, and, and there's, you know, all kinds of craziness going on. And we're kind of like, oh, do I have to wear a mask to Walmart? Um, <laughs> there's, there's some big things going on. I'm not saying that's not an important issue, but, but you know, when you're like, you know, having the mil military, you know, shoot you down in the street, you know, wearing a mask to Walmart doesn't seem like that big a concession at the moment. Uh, <laughs> and so, it, you know, there's, you know, there's, it's, it's sort of, you know, in, in Myanmar, it's, 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 you know, it's being used there too. It, it, it's sort of this, this thing that, it's, it's a symbol of rebellion, if you will. That's kind of how I picture this. When they're, when they're dropping the palms and they're praising Jesus as he comes in, it's celebrating him as a king. You know, he, he's the ruler. It's not the religious elite that are there. It's not the political elite who are there. But, but they're recognizing that Jesus is somebody. They're giving, and actually, Father, Son, Holy Ghost is all I can think of when I think of that. Uh, I'm not saying that's the meaning of the, the Hunger Games salute. Um, I've lost some of you with the Hunger Games anyway. <laughs> and, and, and they're shouting, praise God. Uh, and again, if you read some footnotes or some different translations, it's Hosanna, which, which is sort of this, this Hebrew word that gets retained in the Greek, and it comes from Psalm 118, uh, which I'm reading ESV instead of the NLT, which I have been. Uh, it says, save us, we pray, O Lord. We, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And it's this, you know, this save us, uh, you know, uh, you know, and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for salvation. Now, in their sense, they're thinking save us from the Romans, save us from our enemies. Jesus is coming, though, to save us from our sins, our real enemy, to save us from death. And so they maybe don't get it quite right, but they're, but they're crying out to him. And, you know, this is like a psalm that they would typically, you know, be chanted by pilgrims as they send into Jerusalem. And it's like, save us now. It's a cry for deliverance. And their great deliverance is here, even if it's not fully understood. But here's Jesus. Uh, you know, John 12, back to verse 14 says, Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. Uh, you kind of picture that. And, uh, you know, most of us don't think of donkeys as like powerful uh, animals, but it really was this kingly beast. I mean, I think of a donkey, I'm like thinking, you know, if I could ride something like a big chariot, that would be cool, you know, or, or maybe like a giant Clydesdale, which I would need to support my girth. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, <laughs> 
you, you picture like, I mean, if you, if you were to like enter as a king today into some place, you'd like be like Cadillac Escalade limo or something, not a Prius. I, I'm kind of picturing the, the donkeys like the Prius, which <laughs> the government might want you to drive a Prius. I'm not making fun of them, but, but they're not driving Priuses, right? Like, like there's no Prius stretch limo for the president. Uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> it, you know, so Jerusalem, it, it's a sacred holy city, and, and often people, you know, they, they walk in when they're on pilgrimage, and, it, and you know, uh, Jewish tradition, if you're too sick to walk, then you're even excused from the, the pilgrimage. Uh, and there's a story of Alexander the Great coming in, and what does he do in the story? Anyone going to guess? He walks in. So, and, um, and so Jesus comes in on a donkey, um, and, and, but really the other times we see this are the coronation of Solomon, you know, as he, he's, he's king, you know, and, and then um, there's this prophecy of a Davidic king, a line of David's line, like Solomon, who would come in riding on a donkey. And Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph. O people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Um, and so here's, here's Passover that they're going to celebrate. Now, I know, like Passover started yesterday, correct? Did I get that right? I got happy Passover texts and things. Um, uh, now, <laughs> sometimes it corresponds with Easter, sometimes it doesn't. That's a long story involving calendars and complications that I can't possibly explain right now because I really don't understand it. I have to look it up every time. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the Passover, uh, if, if you were to read the book of Exodus, and, and you read when God redeems his people, there's a series of plagues. And so the, the final one was the firstborn, and you had to put the lamb's blood over your door. What happens if you didn't? Firstborn dies in the night, right? And so the Jewish people who obeyed, did the blood, you know, they were passed over <laughs> by the angel of death. And so because of that, then the Jewish people then celebrate Passover. And there was this symbolism to things. And one of those things that that they celebrated was what we celebrate now is communion. Jesus is going to take that Passover meal, and he's going to say, hey, you've been using this bread and this wine as a symbol of that, that bread, you know, the, and, and so long ago. But now I am the, the new bread and the wine. And so Jesus gives it new life, new meaning. And so the, this whole season is all a part, again, of this plan that, that God is coming. That, that, that Jesus is coming to take his place. Uh, and so John chapter 12, verse 16 says, his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was fulfillment of prophecy. That was kind of their, their, their MO. They didn't really understand. You know, they, they kind of missed a few things, but that's okay. Some of us occasionally miss a few things. That <laughs> some of you are like real quick on that one. <laughs> but, after it says, but after Jesus entered his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. And so the way to Easter, the way to the cross, wasn't just an accident, it was a plan. And God had been planning this long ago. And we see this fulfillment, all of these things happening. It says many in the crowd had seen Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they heard about this miraculous sign. Then the first they said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. 
uh, you know, and again, it's the, this fulfillment of prophecy. We, we used a fancy term last week. Uh, maybe that's why I got a few fancy term memes, you know. I'm sorry, occasionally we're going to use a theological term. Uh, you know, I try to put things in very simple words because I'm a simple man. No, because... <laughs> Because we, we want them to be understood. Uh, but, you know, there's this, you know, fulfillment of prophecy. And we use the, the word missio dei, which is fancy Latin. makes you feel like you got something going on. Uh, but it's the idea of the, the mission of God. And, 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 you know, there's this plan and this purpose through Scripture. You know, people sometimes don't see it. They see the Old Testament is one thing, the New Testament is another. I had a discussion about that last night with somebody. I was like, you know, they kind of like, well, they, they ignore the Old Testament. And I'm like, yeah, they do. And, you know, they're like, well, the New Testament just says this. I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> There's some other stuff in there, too. Uh, but, but, you know, I had this conversation. And, and it's really, it's this one story. You know, sometimes we call it the Old Testament. I like to call it the Hebrew Bible, that was, a, that was a test. Apparently no one listens, because <laughs> it was written in Hebrew. I think sometimes when we call it Old Testament, we think, well, it's just the old one. But, but the, it's about, and then we call it the New Testament because it speaks of Jesus. Uh, uh, and it's, but it's really, it's one story. If, if you look through it, 66 books, one story. There, there's this, now, sometimes there's side stories like my sermons. <laughs> you know, there, there's other things going on. But, but, but ultimately, there's this, this call to redeem that we see throughout the scriptures. And there's this constant call of saying, so in Genesis, we see that God created the world, but we see things broke, right? Sin enters the world, people sin, but God redeems. He makes the first sacrifice, if you look there. <laughs> and there's the, this whole idea of the sacrifice as people, he's calling them out. He calls out Abraham, who he's going to call out the Jewish people from you know they end up in egypt he he brings them out of, out of out of slavery there he brings them into the promised land there's there's prophets because sometimes you know the, the people sin they go off you know god god calls them back after some punishment and it's this up and down thing but ultimately there is this thread of redemption and we constantly see the, sort of the plan unfolding and the big theme of scripture is that god's coming to redeem us all you know, Jesus isn't just on a mission, he's on the mission to come and to redeem us. Uh, and this week we celebrate Palm Sunday as the fulfillment of his plan. He does what he came to do. Ultimately, he comes to give us life when we put our faith and our trust in him. Um, as the worship team comes back to play, uh, you never know what I'm going to get up here. <laughs> Uh, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, a, I, I like Easter in that, um, you know, it, it's like Christmas because there's not a lot of new to preach for Christmas as a pastor. Some of you know, it's like, what are you going to preach on? Christmas. <laughs> you know, you kind of have to do the Christmas story. You get, you, we always try to find different approaches, different angles and things. And then it comes to Easter, and guess what? We're like, yep kind of got to find a way to tell the Easter story a little bit. But sometimes, I, I think it's sort of this recalibration. It reminds us so much of just the simple truth that, that Jesus came to save us from our sins. You know, there, there can be all kinds of complex things. There's all kinds of complex theology. If you were to go into my office, I've got, I don't know how many books 
<laughs> and then I've got them stacked up because they don't even fit on the shelves anymore. And I've got them stacked at home in piles. And I've got digital books that, you know, would outstack all of those. And, you know, all these complex ideas and things. But it really comes down to the basics of, you know, Jesus came to save us from our sins. And he, he came to give us new life. And we put our faith and our trust in him. It's a better life than we can imagine. You know, Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And when we live fully in him, we will really live fully. Let's pray.